Welcome to Cosmophonia. I'm Meredith. And I'm Gabe. And today we are talking about an album called Intergalactic Trot by Star Drive with Robert Neeson. So, this is something new that we're doing. Mm -hmm. This is an idea that we had. There exists in the world an awful lot of space music or purported space music. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind stuff that's like got a spacey album title. Maybe some stars on the cover, you know, some pictures of galaxies or something. Yeah, some kind of cosmic something or other. Mm Mm-hmm. And we decided it would be cool because there are so many of these things to just find random-ish ones that neither of us know, find these albums, listen to them together, and then immediately talk about them. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've just done or yeah. are about to do. We're in the middle of this. Yeah. And this is a kind of a scary prospect for me because I like to do a lot of research and uh, this is requiring slash necessitating no research but listening to and looking at the album itself except you do have the research in your head well sure all of the space music that you've ever heard (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is a lot it is a lot it's of course not all of it because that's why we're here that's why we're here (laughs) so we we want to do this multiple times this is our first attempt we don't know what we're going to call this little series yet record store finds or deep something deep cuts deep cuts i don't know (laughs) we'll we'll workshop that okay uh but what we have today is an album called intergalactic trot by star drive featuring robert mason Mm -hmm. that is i believe that seems to be what the band is called well it's star drive with robert mason yes right so robert mason is part of it but the star drive part is highlighted. Yes, and it's unclear. Actually, it's true. It's unclear star drive is actually the band or the featured instrument. Yeah, and you looked this up briefly, and it did seem to be that the featured instrument is actually called star drive. Yes. Right. It might. I think it might be both. Yeah. 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 So star drive, because it's there's a little note on the back of the record that talks about the star drive synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture on the back cover of Robert Mason with, I assume, Star Drive. Yes. It's got lots of knobs. Lots of knobs, lots of switches. Yeah. Keyboard, of course. And the thing with Star Drive, according to the little note, is that it is one of the world's first, this is what it says, Actually, he says it is the world's first. That's debatable. But he says it is the world's first multi-voiced synthesizer that can be played like a real keyboard instrument with full chords and tonal clusters. Mm -hmm. And goes on to say that the whole point of the album is to make this high-energy music that was all performed live. So it has many, many synthesizer noises that were apparently all generated simultaneously, Mm -hmm. which... This album came out in 1973, and that is pretty cutting edge. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, 
It is, and it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think of all of it being performed live because you do. You have like melodies, you have chords being played on, you know, a, a certain synthesizer sound, and at the same time you have these like <laughs> going along, which is also synthesizer generated. So it's like this very complicated sounding textures. Yeah, yeah it is complicated, and I and it's true. I, it does seem though like I didn't detect a lot of like traditional keyboard playing like on a piano mm-hmm. um i mean it's a very it's very busy music there's a whole band behind it too yeah. but like what i heard in terms of the polyphonic nature of the instrument is like what you just described like really strong melodies maybe with like a little harmony but then also background bleeps and bloops and and all kinds of things yeah so it definitely sounds like he's got a couple different modules that are kind of like running independently yeah yeah definitely so obviously, like I said, the title is Spacey. Yeah. Intergalactic Trot. That's also the name of the last tune. Yeah. Uh, the last tune on the A side is called Star Drive. Yeah. Uh, which is also Spacey. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that's the name of the group. So these are the space things that suggested itself to us. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, the cover is a, a picture of Robert Mason with these like little it's all like blue watercolory it's very spacey looking with these little like dots that look like stars but they're also connected with white lines which suggest like a graph or something so or you got circuits the, or circuits yeah, yeah yeah so you've really got this kind of idea of space and technology merged right on the cover which i think is appropriate yeah and it's not just him on the cover it's his like disembodied ghostly face yeah. in space so this right. is a real melding of human and cosmic and technological yeah i mean it says that in the in the little note on the back too which is i, I find very interesting um he says never before have man and machine come so close together with such intimate rapport This instrument, the most advanced of its kind on Spaceship Earth, is the medium by which an intense new level of energy music has been realized. Mm. So, I mean, they've got kind of a cosmic vision going on here and also a a cyborg kind of vision, too. True, yeah. And I like the idea that there's rapport Mm -hmm. between man and machine. Yeah, so it's not an unconsensual melding of (laughs) man and machine. It's really like, you know, both of these things have some kind of soul or personality or you know something that really can work together in a very organic kind of way yes the star drive synthesizer it could have said no it could have said it could have said you know i don't i don't just i don't agree with you (laughs) i don't agree with you mr mason this is not how this is not how i want to make music but no they they agree with one another yeah and i think that's why they call it star drive with robert mason because it's like you know, the instrument itself is a big part of it, but also Robert Mason's interaction with the instrument is a big part of it. So, yeah. So I guess one of the big questions I have for you or in general is like, all right, so we got this technology angle. There's obviously cosmic stuff in the artwork in a couple of the track titles. Most of the other tracks are not not very spacey, I don't think, in their titles but maybe we'll come back to those in a second. But I am curious to know what you think about the extent to which this music delivers on its promise of space sage, (laughs) space spaceness. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a couple things that 
come into play in every single track that screams space music, and that is these kind of synthesizer sound effects, some of which kind of are reminiscent of a little bit in our own theme music. You know, these little kind of arpeggiations or randomizers or whatever you do to um, get this kind of like fast bleep bloopy kind of effect. But harmonious. Harmonious, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very frequently used sound effect, I think, in spacey kind of music. Now, does that alone mean that it's space music? I don't know, but that's one thing. And one thing that I find a little different from a lot of electronic kind of space music that I've heard, which honestly, I'm not a an expert in electronic music, but there is this whole like other type of space music that we haven't really touched on in this podcast at all, which is like electronic ambient music Mm -hmm. and if you think of that as space music this doesn't really fit because again as it says on the blurb this is energetic music this is very you know drive-y and i think that makes sense because it's all star drive true right so you've got this driving energy throughout most of the tracks there's one brief moment of lullaby-y but um is that everything at once? Is that that track? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second to last track on the album called Everything at Once, and it's the like respite moment of the of the album where you finally like, okay, I'm gonna relax for a minute and uh, or for six minutes. Hmm. <laughs> it's a nap. <laughs> it's a little nap, but. But an, an energetic nap. An energetic <laughs> nap. Yeah, it's true. Because even in there, there's a lot going on. You still have those like very, very quietly, even behind the very mm-hmm. nice melodic parts, you know. So it's funny that it's called Everywhere at Once. Because I was thinking of that movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I haven't seen. But uh, it sounds like a very chaotic kind of movie. And this is really not that at all. Yeah. Maybe everything is happening at once, but you can't tell because you're really only focusing on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do an experiment and condense that whole track down. It's six minutes long, but we're going to we're going to see what it sounds like if you try to make it only one second long. Yeah. Then it would really be everything. <laughs> everything at once. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. We'll do it for real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to get back to what sounds spacey about it. I don't know, was there anything that stood out to you as particularly reminiscent of anything to do with space? Well, I think in addition to what you said, or just building off of what you said, I mean, the synthesizer we've talked about before is by being such an overtly technological instrument already primed to make us think of this music as if not cosmic, at least futuristic and ergo cosmic. I mean, so it's like really marked in that way. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like it's also not just a gimmick. There is a reason why we did this one as the first one in this little experiment of ours, right? It seemed like it would, and it did deliver on the promise of being basically space ish, Mm -hmm. right? It's not using space imagery or space ideas totally superficially. Yep. So I appreciate that. In terms of like the sounds and how they, whether or not they feel like space music, I felt it in two different ways. One was in 
um, not necessarily the high energy music that was like with a beat and a pulse, but the high energy music. There are a number of these kind of like freak out jam moments where, mm -hmm. you know, also in keeping with the band name, right? It's like, oh yeah, we're on a spaceship and it's, yeah. it's really like zooming up. And then the other was, yes, in these kind of um, more atmospheric synthy sounds that this is, it's, it's a little bit early for that as well but like would eventually become part of that kind of new age space music synth soundscape kind of idea mm -hmm. and actually one of the surprises on the album that kind of engages with that is the second track which of all things is a cover of strawberry fields forever yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and you know it makes me think about that song a song i know pretty damn well like is that <laughs> I don't want to improvise it right now, but I feel like I could construct an argument for Strawberry Fields Forever being space music hmm. since nothing is real. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it does have a kind of harmonic language that's a little detached from the mundane. And I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into it right now, but certainly in the hands of Robert Mason, mm -hmm. it very much leans into this kind of like detached floating in the ether kind of a vibe. Yeah. really interesting because it kind of brought in this other space marker that is maybe a little less obvious but we did talk about this a little bit in the alien episode which is using recorders or flutes so there's a this like fluty recordery type of sound two of them i believe it's using those as the melody so it's evoking what is often called in classical music the pastoral a little bit and I mean strawberry fields that already kind of evokes the pastoral and so to me with all of the synthy sound and the kind of you know odd bleep bloop things going on plus the pastoral to me it was evoking a kind of alien landscape yeah. which okay this is going to sound super weird but one of my favorite tv shows Steven Universe it's a very smart show in that it references a lot of kind of old pop culture to do with space and other things. But one of the very bizarre places in that universe, which apparently is supposed to take place on Earth, is this battlefield that is full of huge strawberries. It's a strawberry field. <laughs> and it only exists because of this intergalactic war that happened, you know, thousands of years ago. And somehow this residue has created these supernatural strawberries. And I don't know, this this particular track made me think of that image of this kind of otherworldly and yet familiar kind of landscape. Nice. 
you know, it's funny that you link it to the pastoral because that, of course, makes sense. But one of the things that I noticed on this performance, um, maybe the anti-pastoral would be the technological. I don't know if that's too bold. But, you know, if on the one hand you have being at one with your sheep and the grass and strawberries, <laughs> and on the other hand you have man and machine, and, you know, like up in the studio. And I agree, like the patches that he comes up with, they are very fluty uh, or organ-like, which would also fit. Mm-hmm. Except there are these little glitchy bits in yeah. the playing. Yeah. There are all these little and it's yeah. it's it's interesting because those are i call them glitches and they're i'm sure they're not unintentional mm-hmm. actually and because there are ways to program it to do that kind of thing but it's odd because there's such blatantly electronic ornaments mm-hmm. i guess you could call them maybe um yeah so maybe this strawberry field is taking place in the holodeck yeah <laughs> but the power is failing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Someone's disabled the safety protocols. Yeah, but no, no, I think I I have this theory that it's the specific mix of the pastoral and the technological that makes a space topic. Mm. It's those two blended together. And kind of like, you know, how it's Robert Mason and Star Drive that really make this synthesis of whatever this music is. It's it's blending the natural and the technological together in a in a kind of way that I think evokes space, particularly like lunar landscapes or some kind of, you know, space landscape. That's really interesting. Because it's like space is part of nature, yeah. right? And just on the surface, it looks very peaceful and kind of like the pastoral. But at the same time, in order to get there, humans have to rely on this advanced technology and so both of those things are very important to what space is, I think, in the in the imaginary. Yeah, that's really kind of fascinating because now I find myself thinking about all, not all, but, well, maybe all. I'm trying to think about all, all of our other kind of both scientific and imaginative engagements with the natural world. And I don't want to say that space has exclusive purchase on the melding of technology and 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 the pastoral and you weren't saying that anyway but but i'm trying to think of like an alternative and it's kind of hard for me to come up with one because we usually think about things like infrastructure as technological um i mean i don't think about this about them this way but we we tend to think about things like infrastructure as technological impositions on the environment right not things that are happening with it Mm. whenever we imagine the natural landscape we tend to imagine it without technological intervention Mm -hmm. and then i don't know the other one that came to mind quickly was underwater exploration Mm -hmm. where of course you like space need technological help in order to get down into the depths but i don't know that a whole lot of underwater music tries in the same way as space music to engage with the idea of the technological it's kind of like we think about the technology is just it's there to help us but it's not like the be-all end-all you know like oh well it's about getting down there so that we can see all of the weird fishes (laughs) right um Hmm. i mean i don't know i haven't i i it makes me want to 
now look for you know all of the submarine music that exists in the world i feel like that my i don't know enough submarine music other than the yellow one (laughs) (laughs) oh man they should have done that one as a cover (laughs) i don't think that would have worked as well for this album because it's less kind of mysterious in the in the sound of strawberry fields (laughs) But that's not to say that there isn't any fun, like, upbeat, bouncy music on this album. There definitely is. Yeah. Um, In particular, the first track on the second side, on the B side, Dr. Tandem, parentheses, takes a ride. Yeah. (laughs) That was a cute little bop. It was a very cute little bop. And uh, (laughs) what I thought about that, like, what I was picturing in my head, I don't really know what that means. Who is Dr. Tandem? I don't know, but he's taking a ride. But he's taking a ride on what? And I think it's the Star Drive. Oh. Because the Star Drive, to me, is not only a synthesizer, but is also a kind of imaginary spaceship. That's what it kind of looks like on the back. Yeah. And I mean, there's a natural affinity between the look of a, a synthesizer, a large modular synthesizer, and like a control board of an airplane or a spaceship or something like that. True. Which I think a lot of people have taken advantage of in creating kind of synthy space music. Sun Ra, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, this famous example of a music-powered spaceship. So maybe uh, maybe Dr. Tandem decided to take the Star Drive for a joyride. Yeah, <laughs> he's having a good time. Oh, yeah, and, and speaking of this, like, high-energy music, I don't think it's unspacey. I'm trying to formulate this idea of... What was I thinking? I think it was actually during the title track, Star Drive. There's a lot of, like, repetitive figures in it. And this is also true of synth music, particularly. Like, if you're trying to very slowly change a sound, it's kind of morphing. Morphing, repetitive. Repetitive, but also morphing at the same time. Yeah. That reminded me of post-minimalism. Specifically, John Adams' um, short ride in a fast machine where it really evokes this idea of riding in a mechanical vehicle that goes very quickly, and yet you have a probably similar scene going by you, but it's always changing. And I think that that kind of music is perfect for evoking a trip, just taking a trip. You can't really go anywhere other than outside the car. The landscapes are going by. There's always things that are similar, always things that are, you know, changing, but it's just really evoking the idea of writing in this very mechanical, you know, but yet fast mm-hmm. and exciting vehicle. And I thought that Star Drive, the track, it kind of evoked that kind of feeling as well. Because it's very like, yeah, we're going on a drive. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, While we were listening to it, I said, uh, like, what kind of music is this? Is this, like, 
dancing music? Is this like sit and listen seriously music? Is this like stoner music? And I was so wrapped up in trying to understand what it was that I kind of missed another obvious one, which is that. Like, this is like, it's not bad travel music. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it's really good car music. Mm. <laughs> or, you know, starship music. Yeah, yeah, starship music. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that track also had it had various sections in there, including one of those like crazy freak out yeah. kind of moments. But there's also what I called the final boss music. Oh yeah, <laughs> like very very fast and loud. Like yeah, lots of like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like the synth solo that kind of reminded me of trying out different moves against the final boss <laughs> yeah a solid like what 10 years before the concept of final boss music existed yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so maybe their trip got interrupted by some kind of space monster they had to fend off yeah true <laughs> <laughs> and the ending of that one was also just so epic it just kept going on and on and it was like all right tchaikovsky <laughs> Well, it's, they had a lot of they got a lot of juice behind them. Yeah, they got it's, you can't just stop. No, you got momentum. Momentum. Well, and that relates back to that idea of kind of the slow shift over the high rate of activity kind of concept you're talking about with post minimalism, mm-hmm. and you know I think over time, like over long periods of time, actually, like the last several decades, the more people have worked with synthesizers the more they've kind of come closer to understanding what their actual strengths are in the history of synthesizers once they came into the hands of everyday people right initially there was either you know people were making bleeps and bloops or they were trying to make melodies out of them and I think what's gradually happened is that people realize that their their really their great strength is in the gradual manipulation of timbre and the foregrounding of timbre as as the dynamic element of the music. Mm-hmm. And I think this is how you've gotten to sort of the present day situation, or at least the situation with synthesizers that's existed for the last twenty odd years, where you have a lot of people making kind of drone music and you know, or just slow evolving music, or maybe it has a beat with, you know, an arpeggiator, but it's the timbre, it's the slow shift, the the slow changes in color and texture that actually drive the music. And it actually kind of, as I'm thinking about it that way, it kind of makes me think of like those scenes on Star Trek where you just see out the window, they're like moving at warp drive and you see the rainbow stars in the, in, in the background. Yeah. And I guess that's the Star Trek version of the sitting in the backseat of the car and seeing all of the scenery just become this blur. Yeah, that's great. And I also like that because as much as I love quadrivium stuff and, you know, people trying to merge science and music in a way that involves number, you know, that's only one part of the picture. That's only one element of the story mm-hmm. of both music and space. And all of these kinds of mathematical approaches to music never take into account timbre. And I love timbre. <laughs> you know, different instrumental colors and exploring different sounds. That is 
an amazing part of music and it's very important and underrated. Yeah. I mean, I think we've mentioned this before, but a lot of astronomy depends on looking at the colors of things, right? Oh, yes. So, I mean, color is foregrounded in astronomy for sure, but... Yeah. Maybe we should make more of that connection to music too. No, it's true. I mean, color... Actually, color... I, I remember being kind of flabbergasted by this when I, I i think i like most astronomers kind of got excited about it when i was young because i liked the pictures and i thought they were cool and mm-hmm. obviously they have lots of colors and i like that too but i remember being like just totally blown away when i got to college and in one of my first astronomy classes learned about the measurement of color like color is a measurement you know with a number and I was like, what? How do you, how do you put, <laughs> and like, I had known about like color temperature, but this wasn't that. This was like, no, the, the color of this star is point whatever. And I, I thought that was so strange and ultimately went on to do a lot of work on color mm-hmm. specifically because you measure the colors of things and, and you measure the colors in different ways. And there is so much information embedded in that. It's true. Then likewise in musical context there's a tremendous amount of information embedded in timbre and color Mm -hmm. i'll shout out my friend victoria who studies the popular singing voice right and you know like a cornerstone of how you understand the way meaning is communicated through the singing voice is through these very subtle cues in the timbre of the voice Mm -hmm. which is remarkable Mm -hmm. i had a thought that also brings us back to the pastoral and this idea that like when that concept was invented nobody moved fast there was no fast pastoral because there were there were no fast humans yeah (laughs) it's before trains existed Uh so the fastest you could be would be on a horse um Hmm. the idea though that like even when you when you're in a car or on a train and that idea of the blurring of the scenery it's like it takes the landscape and it transforms it from something that has shape and structure and form into something that is just color and Mm. texture yeah just movement yeah Hmm. actually like sometimes here in indiana or when i lived in ohio and you go through like the rural parts by the farms especially towards the end of the summer when all the soy and the corn is high and if you go past it really fast you just see these streaks of you can convince your eyes that all they're seeing are these kind of streaks of green and yellow and brown and it's really beautiful and it's like always the same but constantly changing yeah 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 kind of like going at warp speed i guess Yeah. yeah yeah You know, part of the part of this experiment with this album was to like the album promises to be spacey and all the albums that we might do in this little mini series are albums that promise to be spacey. I feel like in this case, does it deliver? I think it delivers. Yeah. I don't I feel like I've convinced myself that it delivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um like it's Sorry, I don't like. I don't mean. I don't mean to say whether or not it whether it is or isn't space music. Yeah, because honestly, uh, I it, think it, that that question. Yeah. Is a little bit too. Like who? It, it, who cares? Too, <laughs> what is that word I'm thinking of? I don't know. Reductive. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I. 
Honestly, the fact that the album cover and the titles of some of the songs are so evoking of space, I mean, it already colors your imagination to to listen to this as space music, so I don't think we can diminish that part of it either. Yeah. But what if you like just came across this on Spotify? I don't think it's on Spotify, but it, what it is, is it? it oh, is. it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found it while I was listening. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you think that people would be like, yeah, spaceships? I think they might. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I think they might. I think they might. I mean, the first track has a lot of these kind of fun little synthesizer swoopy things that... I don't know might make you think of spaceships or some kind of rocket thing i think what it definitely does is make me which is part of their goal i think it definitely makes me think of the technology Mm -hmm. i think this is very definitely technological music Mm -hmm. and it kind of leverages the spaciness of it to kind of like, if it was just, this is technology music, that wouldn't be very attractive. Right, right. But, but putting it in this space context, which I think is convincing, ultimately, mm-hmm. but still kind of like, it's this space imagery sort of supports the underlying goal, which is, hey, I invented this instrument, yeah. and we're making this really fast, big music with it. Yeah, we're making this music together with it. Ah, yeah. yeah, so it's not just about the technology. It's it's about the humans and technology. Yeah. And the higher purpose they can achieve. Yes. One um, of the songs is called, <laughs> I Want to Take You Higher. <laughs> Up into space Up into itself. space, right, courtesy of Sly Stone. We get that. <laughs> <laughs> 